This summer, don't just watch soccer. Play in the DraftKings Real Shot Challenge presented by Jägermeister. The rules of the game are simple. Just pick winners. At the end of the tournament, the five top point getters in each nation's leaderboard walk home with a national team jersey and a Jägermeister jacket. All entries are automatically entered into an overall leaderboard where the prizes are even more lucrative, like the ultimate fan experience, an all-expenses-paid trip to the winning team's country to celebrate sweet, sweet victory like a local. Enjoy a VIP soccer experience, including game tickets, transportation, and swag, plus extra cash so you can roll like a meister. You don't need cash to enter. It's free. So what are you waiting for? Head to DraftKings.com slash RealShot to adopt your team, get in the game, and win exclusive prizes. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash RealShot for details. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day 3 of World Cup 2018 is done, headlined by Iceland's 1-1 tie with Argentina, which saw Hannes Halderson stop Lionel Messi's potentially decisive penalty kick. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that and other topics today as part of our podcast, coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by Dana Castellanos, the Venezuelan rising star and Florida State forward, who's here in Russia promoting women's soccer during the World Cup. Onward! Hey there! It's Grant Wall and Brian Strauss. We are outdoors tonight. And a motorcycle. And we are in Moscow. We are actually uh, on the Fox lot uh, along with about 20 other television networks from around the world. Um, we're doing this because uh, I have to go on the Fox show tonight. And we're going to do the podcast here, slightly abbreviated version. And Brian, welcome. Thanks. We're, we're essentially standing amid shipping crates, uh, barbed wire fencing. Um, it's like we're in an alley yeah. in the dark. But a very high-priced real estate alley right next to St. Basil's. That is true. You can see the, the very top of the steeple of St. Basil's. So, right. yeah, this is surreal. This is uh, not what we're used to doing. And there's Alexei Lawless. Maybe he'll uh, do a guest on a appearance hey, on our podcast here. <laughs> Say hi as he walks by. Um, but uh, you were at Argentina, Iceland today. I was. 1-1. Uh, Alexi, want to say hi to our podcast? <laughs> In the alley, yes. In Russia. Hi, people. How's it going? Um, have you painted the picture yet for the people that are listening? Sort of. You can add to it. There's a chain link fence. Okay. There's portable. Is uh, it electrified or can I touch it? I don't know. We're right next to the Kremlin, so you never know. That's you know. true. By the way, you don't even need microphones. I mean, they're hearing everything anyway. So if you can ask for a recording right next door, huh? This is never getting out of the country, by the way. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. Neither are us. I enjoyed my stay in Russia. Um, that was fun. Um, so we, we are we are right next to the Kremlin. We are told not to take pictures of Putin's helicopter. I'm serious. Have like, you seen Putin's helicopter? I have not, but I, we were just told like like seriously, do not take is pictures it like, of Putin's did, helicopter. Do they do it like uh, the president does, uh, where they have multiple helicopters? Like they're decoy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I live in D.C., so I see this all the time. But you know, Marine One, there's there, there's there's more than one Marine One, and so you're never quite sure. It makes you wonder. Yeah. Um, so you were at Argentina 1, Iceland 1, the marquee game of the day. I was. Um, and what were your thoughts on it? Quite a day, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm full. I'm spent. Um, it was, it, for all, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this watched it. 
Um, it was riveting and and gut wrenching and edge of your seat uh, kind of stuff, which and your edge of your seat anyway because the seats there are so goddamn small. Um, but uh, cool to be at and um, cool to sort of feel. Um, I, I guess I should I should interrupt myself. Um, so all of the U.S. press here, not all, but for the most part. The vast majority of the small cohort of U.S. press here is getting royally jacked uh, by FIFA. Um, because we did not qualify for the World Cup, we therefore fall all the way down the pecking order um, in terms of seating. So if you're covering a game on deadline and it means you need to like take notes and do research and get your story started during the game, it helps to have a desk, it helps to have Wi-Fi, it helps to have a plug to plug your laptop in, and we get none of those things. They basically just put us in the stands where fans would be sitting, and so you've got all your shit kind of like on your lap and you're trying to like get the roster and the, and the laptop and all your notes and you're just kind of sitting there scrunched in. It's like trying to do work in the middle seat of an airplane. Um, then again, some listeners might say, you're at the World Cup. Yeah, Grant, that's low-hanging fruit. I'm here to do a job, and it makes it difficult to do my job. I'm not here to have fun. I'm not here to, you know, say woo-hoo and do all that kind of stuff. I'm here to work. And so we're all there to work. And so you're trying to, um, you know, stay on top of things and do your job, and it just makes it interesting, uh, you know, to, to it's, it's, just, it's just, it's a challenge. Today, however, there was a really, really interesting silver lining to this kind of clusterfuck. And that is that they put us in the first three rows of the stadium. Oh, yeah. I saw the pictures you posted. Yeah. So rather than sitting where we were like a nosebleed at Lujniki for the opener, I mean, Stephen Goff and Matt Futterman were literally in the front row right behind the Argentina bench. I mean, they could reach out and touch the top of the Argentina bench. Um, we were two rows behind, me and Jonathan Wilson, who writes writing for us, uh, Kevin Baxter from the LA Times. And so this is full circle back to the fact that you saw this game at field level speed a world cup game this world cup game at field level speed and it was absolutely remarkable and it was a usually we're detached we're sitting in the upper deck we're really high up whether you have a table and a plug or not this was you you're in it you know you feel the energy you hear the guys yelling at each other we were right behind Sampaioli and listening to him yell at the players uh hearing the conversations between his assistants and the fourth official um you know hearing the guy the tackles and the crunches and the shots it was just remarkable and so the energy was kinetic and we felt it um and and watching Iceland and hearing Iceland and feeling Iceland uh try to hang on to that draw was awesome um, so it took me, you know, an extra hour and a half to write the story because I had to start from scratch, but it was worth it today. Um, what an experience to be that close and to sort of feel that game uh, the way we did. Did you get a sort of close look at Messi right after the game when, at least from the TV perspective, the, the camera hung on him for quite a while from the moment the final whistle blew and he petulantly boots the ball into the air and then just parks himself, rips off his captain's armband no. clearly agitated i missed that i happen okay. no we didn't see it. it it struck me as a little over the top considering this was just game one of a world cup where they got a point he's he's like he's on his last nerve just like we are <laughs> um we're all we're all ready for meltdown um I mean, I, I actually took a picture of him and tweeted it just kind of walking off and just kind of made a note, you know, I've seen this look before yeah. of him in an Argentina jersey. I did not see him tear the armband off. I mean, we saw, you know, we were there for his reaction uh, when he missed the penalty um, and then sort of had his his 
conniption implosion oh, in 2016 at, America at, at Copa America. Um, the pressure on him and is just enormous, obviously, and he's clearly not handling it well. I, I was wondering maybe he shouldn't be, you know, the, maybe he shouldn't be taking that penalty. Maybe give it to give it to someone for whom this isn't a a life defining, legacy defining moment, and it's just kicking the ball twelve yards. I'm, maybe I'm that's the idea. Where I haven't done my research well enough to know. Hernan Crespo just walked by. We could have asked him <laughs> uh, who is Argentina's best penalty taker if Messi isn't taking uh-huh. penalties. But whoever that person is needs to be taking penalties I for agree. Argentina from I now agree. on because he's missed. He's failed to convert four out of his last seven penalties for club and country. Four out of seven? Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not. That's not good. And so y- you think about that. You think about how he responded today and – I guess there's probably media in Argentina who, who will say, who are you to not take penalties? You know, you are the one who has to take the penalty. You have to want to take the penalty. But remember Mia Hamm, pretty good player, pretty good striker, scored a lot of goals. She did not take penalties for the U.S. women's national team unless there was a penalty kick shootout. Sometimes sometimes leadership is about deferring, right? Sometimes, I mean, le- sometimes leadership is understanding how to delegate and when to delegate. And, and um, I, I don't think uh, this is not Thierry Henry, you know, giving up the, the, the free kick at the end of the, you know, a, a Red, Red Bulls playoff elimination. I mean, this, you know, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be passing it off to, to, I don't remember, forgive me if Aguero was in the game. What a, what a finish by him, by the way. That was great. Um, but Argentina did everything right. They did everything. They, t- they took what Iceland gave them. Iceland was going to give them the wings. They were going to give them sort of everything up to 30 yards away from goal, and they were going to pack everything around the arc and, and either force Argentina to go wide and win a cross or dare them to, to, to slalom through six to seven defenders within what looked like a, you know, a, a, a 10 by 10 yard box. Um, and uh, they pulled it off. They pulled it off. And, and, and there was this wonderful moment in the press conference afterward um, where an Argentine a journalist asked the, the goalkeeper, um, you know, about celebrating a tie. And, and he remembered immediately uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's petulant nonsense after the Euro 2016 opener, you know, where, where he said that Iceland celebrating a tie uh, was, was, oh, was a right. representative of a small mentality. And so uh, he shot back, what are you, Cristiano Ronaldo's uncle? <laughs> it was so quick and I it was so beautiful. Guys. Yeah, they're so good. And, um, <laughs> y- you know, they, uh, they, the, the idea, and I wrote this in my column, so I'm being redundant, but the idea that what Iceland does um, is a small mentality is nonsense. I mean, Iceland is all mentality. They're 100% mentality. They do not have the skill, the technique, the pedigree, the experience. Uh, the, it's a bunch the, of championship players yeah, for the most yes, part. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, you know, the captain plays in the championship. for Well, he's moving up now with Cardiff, but he's, he's spent the years in the championship. Um, Gunnarsson. Uh, so it's all mentality. And, and, and to do – anyone who's played the game understands – that to do what they do for 90 minutes at that level, you cannot switch off, you cannot skip a beat, you cannot blink, turn your back, forget anything, lose track of anything. That is that is that is Jedi Knight, you know, uh, you know, ninja mind trick stuff, and and it's all mentality. And what they did was very impressive. And now they're in really good shape. I mean, they're in really good shape uh, to to at least be still in it in the third game and have a shot to move on. Well, they're definitely going to be in it in the third game now that they've got a point from the first game. So. In that group, Croatia won tonight. What else happened today? Yeah, I was going to ask. There were four games today. Yeah. It was like the longest day ever. Um, Croatia won tonight 2 nothing against Nigeria. Experience of Croatia showing. Don't you love the sounds of Moscow? Um, so in that game, 
inexperienced showing for Nigeria. Akan gets called for the bear hug penalty, uh, wrapping his arms around Manzukic. It got called for once. Um, and then own goal, which was really the result of a, a well-taken set piece uh, by Croatia. Um, so That was Croatia's first goal, an own goal? Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, other games, uh, Peru 0 Denmark missed, missed a penalty, right? Missed a penalty. Yeah. So twice today, missed penalties really hurt teams because Peru, I thought, really struggled after missing the penalty. South had, American teams. Had a chance to go up uh, late in the first half through Cueva. Uh, he skies it over the bar. Uh, you know, nice counter by Denver or Denver by Denmark. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, uh, Guerrero comes on, surprisingly didn't start, comes on second half and creates some chances. Had a back heel that came six inches from the goal oh, wow. which would have been amazing um and they were more dangerous when guerrero was on the field loud brazilians um and the other game was france two australia one um uh pogba gets the the late winner uh, was it did it go over the it hit the crossbar i think i saw a highlight hit the crossbar yeah, goal okay. line technology working very well because it, the entirety of the ball was just barely over the line it makes you think that maybe if it were 2010 that might not have been a goal so i Good day for technology, Brian. So, so we're, are we both? So you picked Spain and I picked France. Are we? Are we both hanging by a thread here? For, for I guess France wasn't that impressive and needed a bit of uh, audiovisual help uh, to get their you know, their two goals. It's and only you one know, game. okay. Um, but uh, we're going to find out a lot tomorrow. Mexico, Germany tomorrow here in Moscow. I'll be at that. Um, Storylines abound. So oh, that'll yeah. be that'll I mean, be exciting. Another Concacaf day tomorrow. We've got. Uh, Costa Rica, Serbia, and then we've also got Brazil, Switzerland. During the uh, during the forty five minutes or so, it took me to walk the half a mile to get to the entrance to the Fox Compound here because this city is impossibly, insanely crowded, and it can't be like this all the time because it would it would implode. They are, um, they are hosting the world. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> and it gets it's more crowded every night. It it is it is it is a it is Times Square on New Year's Eve. It is the crowdest most crowded bar you've ever been to for miles on end it is insane and exhausting um and uh there was a there was a really kind of scary sounding russia versus serbia kind of chant battle yeah, going on yeah exactly it's kind of like i'm gonna move on <laughs> i'm gonna move away from this area right now um while i'm carrying my my laptop and my credential and all of my internal organs <laughs> i'm out um I think we're going to call it a night. This will be a shorter podcast. Uh, Dana Castellanos is coming up with an interview. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Dana Castellanos. Our guest today is Dana Castellanos. She is a 19-year-old rising star forward with the Venezuelan national team and Florida State University, where she is a rising junior and a communications major. Dana's goal from the halfway line against Cameroon at the 2016 Under-17 World Cup was nominated in the final three for a Pushkas Award last year, and she is here in Russia doing video work and promoting women's soccer under the hashtag DareToShine on her Twitter at DanaC18. She's also on Instagram with 1.1 million followers, which is about one million more than mine at Dana Castellanos. Dana, thanks for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Great to have you here with me uh, at the FIFA Hotel in uh, in Moscow. I want to ask you first about what you're doing here and the hashtag dare to shine. Um, 
what are you doing here in, in Moscow? Uh, well, basically, uh, what I'm doing here is promoting the uh, women's football, women's soccer. So that's like, like the main point of all this. But I'm also interacting with the fans, with the ex-players, uh, players that um, are playing here right now, and all like the FIFA staff and that kind of stuff I'm doing here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really cool to follow on your Twitter. There's a lot of videos that you've been doing. Uh, who are some of the players that you have worked with so far? <laughs> well, um, Iker Casillas, Carles Puyol, um, Pupi Sanetti, Diego Milito, Cafu, Campos, like ex-players that they are legends. It's pretty cool. I mean, here at the FIFA Hotel, you see a lot of people uh, famous ex-stars, ex-coaches, and I'm sure when you go to the stadiums and, and are around FIFA people, you're you're seeing them as well. Yeah, of course. Like the experience has been great. Uh, this is like basically a dream, and I'm living a dream right now, and I love it. Like I'm having so much fun here. I'm I'm glad you are. <laughs> I mean, like judging from your social media feed, that is clearly the case. <laughs> um, you're just 19 and yet you've done some pretty remarkable things already um, at the under 17 women's world cup uh, you've been with Venezuela finishing or going to the semifinals twice twice now yeah. um, you were part of the team in the Copa America Femenina earlier this year um, you were in the final three of the Puskas awards uh, and also in the three best players yes yeah. and the three best players for uh, on the women's <laughs> side for the FIFA Best Awards. Um, how is this? How would you describe this life you're living over the past year or two? It's a dream, I, I swear. Like, uh, I kind of knew that this was going to happen, like to be in the last three nominators for the DBS and the Puskas maybe um, doing that kind of stuff. But I didn't know that it was coming like this quit this fast like this early for me because I'm just 19 years old like and that happened last year that I was 18 so uh, like it's kind of coming like really early but I'm enjoying it so much and living the life basically <laughs> and I, I love it I love it could you tell me what it was like you went to London for the FIFA award ceremony uh, what was that like for you <laughs> that was the best night ever like uh, I think that that is the place where every soccer player wanna be, um, and share with other people. And I had uh, the opportunity to share with my family, with my friends, and with the whole Venezuela people that was, of course, in Venezuela. And, and some of them were in London, and they are always supporting me. And it was a dream night. <laughs> yeah, now I can imagine. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your story because you're from Maracay mm -hmm. in Venezuela, which is the hometown of Juan Arango, um, one of the best Venezuelan players of all time. Uh, I did a story on Juan Arango uh, for Sports Illustrated Latino back in 07 uh, when Venezuela hosted Copa America. One of the best free kick takers we've we've of ever course. seen. And you have a fairly close relationship with Juan Arango. Yeah, he's like kind of, we are like pretty good friends with, how you say, uh, we came from of the same city. Yeah. Um, 
he's like kind of my mentor he he says all oh, been like they're like giving me advice and that kind of stuff and and he's so humble he's so nice he he's the best venezuelan player of the history and i'm so glad that he is my friend and he also is my mentor yeah i what is it like for a young woman in venezuela uh who wants to play football is it difficult to to get into the sport are there opportunities well when i i first started to play like i was five years old um at the beginning like in venezuela didn't exist um ben, uh, girls football girls soccer and that was like for that reason i started playing with with boys like i played like since five years old to 16 years old so until i moved to the united states to, pl to study and play so it was like a kind of impact because like you know they they were saying like um no this is a men's sports like she can play or if she's playing this because she's uh, another boy and that kind of stuff like i didn't understand at the beginning but uh, at the same time for me it was a, motiv a motivation to to show them that they were wrong you know so i i took it to the good side and not to the bad side so right now after all that we did with the u17 work on in costa rica uh, in jordan like it's is changed has been changed really that that is really nice because now like there is a boys club but also it's a girls club and it's amazing like that is so good so if you were five years old right now and starting out again there would be an option for like a, totally. a girls yeah team. absolutely okay so things are moving in the right direction yeah uh <laughs> that slowly is but they're, they're moving yeah that's the good, the good uh, and in terms of your decision to go to Florida State, why? Why did you go there? Uh, well, first, because for me, it was the best university. Like, in soccer, uh, the program that they have, uh, the technology that they have, the coaches, the staff that they have, like, that was, like, i never seen something like that. And um, also because was really close to Venezuela so it was easy for my my family to mm -hmm. go to like to come from Venezuela to to Tallahassee like 3 or 4 hours of mm -hmm. traveling that beside to go to UCLA for example that was so far like yeah. basically a day traveling okay. also i would say the weather yeah <laughs> yeah i hear you <laughs> yeah the weather but Tallahassee is tricky though because um like i i thought like i'm f in florida like it's always warm like it's n Not never always, cold yeah. but no <laughs> like <laughs> in winter like no <laughs> yeah. i've been to tallahassee a few yeah, times yeah. so i know what you're saying there um in terms of what you want to do in your playing career um do you plan on on staying all the years at college? Do you want to go play in in Europe? Do you want to play in the league in the United States? What are you hoping to do? Well, I want to finish at school first. Um, I'm graduating next year, and mm -hmm. um, so it will be stupid if I don't finish it. Uh, but I'm really excited. Like I'll miss 
uh, Florida State so much for mm -hmm. sure. But of course, I want to play pro after school. I want to play in Europe, maybe stay a couple of years in mm -hmm. United States playing there and then jump to, to Europe and see what happens. But that's the plan. Now, on your Twitter and Instagram bios, it says future sports journalist. Really? You, you'd rather be a journalist at some point than a player, or you want to be both? Of course, both. Okay. And good. if possible, to be at the same time. But, like, after my school career, like, I want to be, like, a soccer player. And if I can do journalism like the same time, that would be perfect. But I'll be more focused on, on soccer for sure okay. after that. It's uh, As a sports journalist, though, it's nice to see a player who actually wants to be a sports journalist. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that something where you would be more interested in doing television or writing? Maybe both. Why okay. not? <laughs> I like it. But I would I say television, yeah. Okay. Uh, very cool. And... You know, you look at what's happening in, in women's soccer in South America. The Copa America uh, World Cup qualifying happened. You had a wonderful goal in that tournament. Um, how close is Venezuela, in your opinion, to qualifying for uh, a Women's World Cup for the first time? It's close. For me, it's close because, like, in South America, um, Brazil have, like, they are in the top, top, you know, and then we have two and a half spaces to go to the World Cup. So it's like we know, like all South American teams, they know that Brazil is like in like in another level. Yeah. We will say like that. And then like there is come Argentina, Colombia, Chile. Paraguay and Venezuela that we are basically in the same level so that makes it more difficult but at the same time you can see like it's possible to qualify to the a World Cup if if you have a good tournament and you are like focused and, and you do everything right even that you are knowing that Brazil is already in the World Cup you know like yeah. what I mean so it's like it, it is possible you just have to do everything right <laughs> Yeah. I, I hope personally that they take the women's World Cup to 32 teams from 24. I don't see any yeah. reason why it's not now, but I think that would open up the tournament yeah. to maybe more countries that haven't been I'm in. I agree with you. <laughs> so hopefully, maybe for uh, 2023, yeah. we'll see. Um, in terms of football, women's football in South America, we're starting to see Colombia has a league now. Um, in, in Latin America, Mexico has a, a women's league that's promising now. Uh, what, what is happening that is positive, in your opinion, in South America and women's so soccer right now? And what, in your opinion, needs to get better? What, what needs to improve? Well, for, for me, of course, it's possible that the, now there are some pro leagues in South America and Latin America, as you say, Colombia, Mexico. I think that what they are been doing with that, like it's the first league that they have, but they are succeed. So that's really, really important for the women's football. Um, I think that, I mean, every every country should do that and support women's football. That's what we need. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll always say that like support women's football is the biggest issue here, and that's why we need more like people. Let's like just say and and 
fans that they say, I want to go to a women's f soccer game. Uh, I want to see them play because it's attractive, you know? It's like there are girls playing, but they are actually good. Like they can shoot the ball, they can score a goal, they can pass the ball. Like, like, they, like if they have the feeling that to, to enjoy the game has uh, the men's. Yeah, Sorry. I would suggest our listeners uh, Google Dana Castellanos and <laughs> just look at some of the videos. And uh, this is some soccer you will want to see most definitely. How did you get, by the way, 1.1 million followers on Instagram? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, well, after both World Cups, um, like Venezuela people, that they went crazy about us. Like all my teammates, uh, like they were supporting us like so much like like i swear like the games in jordan like for venezuela like was like early in the morning and all they were awake like watching the games like we we felt that 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 support uh, from from them and that was amazing and they chose like that support in my social media <laughs> and it's great because i love like make my 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 country proud yeah you know is it like so now when you're around venezuelans are more of them recognizing you <laughs> yeah yeah like if i'm walking on the street like they always stop me and to take a picture with me and and venezuelans right now are everywhere even here in russia and like i always find someone that they say hey dana can i take a picture with you and like you know it's it's really really nice Nice. Well, that's very cool. Um, what are you going to be doing here in Russia for the rest of the tournament? Well, keep doing this stuff, like promoting the this, uh, the women's soccer, like the next World Cup that is in 2019, um, some interviews to players, uh, to legends, um, more videos, yeah. more fun videos. <laughs> um, we'll see what's it, what is coming. Well... Uh, I would highly suggest that people check out Dana's social feeds on Twitter at DanaC18. That's D-E-Y-N-A-C-18. And then with all those Instagram followers at Dana Castellanos. Dana, thanks so much for joining me. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Dana Castellanos and Brian Strauss, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.